bam, bam, bam. What's good, Hollywood? Welcome back to Getting Down with Chris Brown, where um, today I'm going to be dissecting all things important for you to learn, understand, and implement. That is uh, the best podcast intro that you've ever heard, but I'm going to be upgrading my podcast intro after I get to podcast number 10, okay? So uh, we're going we're gonna to build, build up in stages here, but we're getting there. But yeah, th- uh, this podcast is, is, is where we break down all important, fun, uh, you know, just, just great information where you can learn and, uh, you know, learn, learn some, some great things from me. Okay, things, things that I learn, things that I'm learning along the way, uh, as in building a business, what, I, what I've already learned in business, life, fun, entertainment, and so on. You know, how to order a Russian mail bride off the internet, how to purchase a rocket launcher off the dark web, how to train your pet dog uh, to sniff out narcotics from that lad that you see at the train station, you know? All, all important things that you need. But today, I'm going to be leading on from last week's episode, which is essentially one of the most important skills that we all need in our life. And it doesn't matter who you are, how old you are, what your occupation is, where you come from, but the better you are at selling, the better life you will have, 100%. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter what you are, what you do for a job. You know, if you went straight into an apprenticeship, if you're a tradesman, if you if you're a baker, if you're a hairdresser, doesn't matter what you are. The better, uh, the better you are at selling, the better life you will have. It's just in regards to everything. You may not realize it, but even if you are not a salesman, you are always selling something. Selling, selling is like something, as I've spoken about before, it's something that I didn't, you know, growing up in, in our education system, it basically didn't get taught to, to, to me. And like after, you know, in, in like 29 years of life, traveling, li- living in different countries, I've kind of realized how important it is and then like how kind of fun, entertaining and how much a change it does make. It, it, it literally is a way of life. It's not just regarding selling a product or standing there in the plaza trying to sell a shirt when you're working at, at Cotton On. This is in regards to you know, communicating, persuading, negotiating, selling your ideas, getting your, your spouse to do the dishes. This is about everything. But, uh, but really, by getting good at this important skill and this way of life, you'll be able to, you know, a- able to convince your parents to let you go to the party. This is, uh, this is only relevant to the 30-year-old virgins who are listening right now, okay? But uh, yeah, it's, it's really, it's being able to sell yourself in the important job interview and convincing them on why they should hire you. It's selling your boss on why they should give you a raise, or selling the, your, your, your workers who work under you on why they need to do a particular task, even though it's a fucking shitty task. It was funny, um, a, a, about three, three or four weeks ago, I was back in the Blue Mountains where I grew up and where I started my apprenticeship, and then I ran into my, my first leading hand. His, name, his name's Jeff. He's a, he's a legend. He's an old school OG. 
and like he was asking me what I'm doing now because since I like branched out, went from uh, from Jeff's crew, then I went to up to Transmission, which is kind of a, a bigger group. Then I went to Contractors, where we were working a lot more, and uh, and then he asked me what I'm doing now, and I'm, I'm said how I'm like you know. Uh, you know, more, I'm more business orientated. Started my own, my own business, working working in sales, uh, d- doing a bit of coaching, consulting, and then he like he recalled of when I was like a first year apprentice, and we had to sit down and like you know every few months and go over with the operational manager, and and you get basically a score of of how you're going. And then Jeff would he clearly remembered sitting down with me, and then like Bill, my, my ops manager, would be like, "Ah, oh, yeah, what do you think you you deserve this out out of ten? And then Jeff would be like, "You know, like seven, six, six or seven, because you know, first year apprentice." And then, but I was like, straight onto it. I'm like, "Nah, nah," just negotiating straight away, being like, "Nah, I definitely deserve a nine. And he was laughing at that. How I, I you know. Basically, basically sold them on why I should get a better score, even though, like, as an apprentice, all the it's, it's shitty jobs, um, and yeah, just be, being able to negotiate and and you know have, having the balls to, to try and to convincing and, and getting better options for you. Very important, um, you know, task that that I've learned over the years. Because like not not everyone has it. Uh, that that's one thing that uh, most people are too scared to do. They're, they're scared of the close of to actually ask someone to to make the difference. Can you do this for me? Do you want to buy? Are you going to buy? It's it, it's something that most people don't do. They just like float float above and wait for the person to to ask for it, which it doesn't come. But yeah, as with everyone, my sales commenced quite quite early. My older sister Rachel, she's like one and about a year and two months older than me, and she's she's pretty much who I first learnt from. She's a natural born saleswoman. She's uh she's one of the top lawyers in the country, and she's a, a great example of someone being able to sell ice to an Eskimo. She was like the, the first child of like between me and my my, my sisters. She's the, the, the oldest, then it's me, and then it's my younger sister, Haley. And growing up, since me and Rachel, we were so, so close, a year and two months apart, you know, we'd always be up to mischief. And, um, and then, like, Rachel, she'd kind of take a lot of the heat off me, because, like, her being the, the older, the, the older sibling, and then, like, back, like, girls, they mature faster than guys. So, so, so Rachel, you know, they hit puberty a little bit younger. So she, she was a little, little bit bigger than me back then. And like, so she, if we got in trouble, she'd be the one uh, kind of copping it and, um, and having to explain why we do this, why we, why we you know, uh, are doing things that we shouldn't be doing. Just, just you know, little children, children stuff. But um, yeah, she's someone that's uh, definitely had a big, big impact on, on the start of my kind of sales and negotiation, um, pers- persuasion skills, which is probably one of the funnest things to, to learn and implement and, you know, a- and, and utilize. But there have been, there's been a bunch of times growing up where having decent, you know, sales skills, it's gotten me great opportunities and it's also, you know, kept me out of trouble. One of, the, one of the funniest times which has happened, which I remember, is when one of my mates, the, the Maltese Falcon, 
Benny V. That, that's what we call him, call him the Maltese Falcon. But we were on vacation. I think we were about 19 at the time, or, or maybe, maybe tw- I think I was maybe even 20. He would have been 19. And uh, we were in Phuket, Phuket, Thailand. And we were kind of there partying on Bangla Road. And some, we're at a bar having some beers. And anyway, it turns into some badass party in there, especially in high season. It's, it's like unreal. And anyway, some of the, there was like a group of girls at the bar working there and then like a, a big group of girls as well. And we were, you know, having fun with them, um, getting drunk, smashing beers, smashing shots. And then the girls at the bar, they, they like asked us, they're like, if you guys get up and dance in your, in your briefs, They'll give everybody full uh, a lot of buckets to drink. If, you, if you've been to Thailand or, or Bali, you get those massive buckets full of vodka, which get you absolutely blind. And so, so we done it. We were we, we had no problems with that. Straight up on on the kind of on the the uh, on the bar dancing, shirts off in our briefs, and like that happens a lot everywhere where because it, it gets quite rowdy. Anyway. I think it was just like bad luck and right when we were doing that or I'm not, I can't even remember how long we were dancing for in our briefs but uh, we ended up getting everyone buckets and then right as we were getting down from, from the bar two cops were like uh, driving past on a motorcycle stopped us arrested us we we're, were blind at this time and they basically took us to jail threw us in there and like we were, we were basically in, in the jail with like a other people who have been caught with like marijuana um i yeah that was like pretty much like a group of people it's just like this one big room people with their with their pillows there there's a little fucking a a little wall that goes up to about your waist with a bucket behind it the tap that was dripping and that's where you had to do a shit and uh so we're like blowing up we're like how the fuck are we um getting arrested for for uh, dancing in our briefs but like you know, it was it was an experience at the time, um, and like we're like, how when, when are we getting out of here? And they just like left us in there, and so we're in there until it was getting late. Nothing was happening all all night. We were in there. We we slept on the concrete floor. The next morning, two two, uh, two officials came up and they're like, you guys need to spend. Four thousand dollars, four thousand like Australian dollars to get out, okay? And I was basically like, hell nah, like we haven't done anything wrong. Yeah, like I guess you shouldn't you shouldn't do that. You shouldn't dance in your briefs. But there's no chance we're paying that. You know, when you realise that which countries are well, a lot, pretty much all countries are corrupt. But uh. We, we, we were calling their bluff. Me and Benny were like, hell, hell no, nah, we ain't paying this shit. We'll, we'll stay in here. And like, you know, we're, we're just chilling. Anyway, they're like, okay, we need to come and get your passports. So they took us back to the, to the like, resort where we were staying. We had to grab our passports. We're sitting there and then, and then the cops are like, wait right here. And then they run into like another room run back we're like okay you, you guys need to sit right here it's like in the reception room with with the computers and um just wait here someone has just died and well me and benny we're like freaking the fuck out being like what is going on we're arrested for for dancing in our briefs 
and then the cops are just saying someone's just died and you know we're like what the what 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 is happening right now anyway they went and sorted that out we were sitting there on the computer and like i remember benny he put like up a status on facebook being like hey we're arrested right now uh for, for like for dancing in our in our undies we're waiting to go back to the prison anyway like we were young at the time we were, you know 1920 so that that like went up on facebook and like yeah it, that like blew up. It was just kind of like a joke how that happened. Anyway, we were kind of pissed off since the the police or the the government officials was trying to charge us four thousand dollars. Anyway, Benny, he was like, "Yeah, I want to pay that. I want to get the fuck out." I'm like, "No, we're not. It's gonna go down. We just gotta barter with them, wait a little bit, and then they'll set us free." Anyway, it got to like three. I think they tried again. Be like, "Okay, two thousand, two thousand Australian dollars," and we're like, "Nah." And we're just, you know, holding it, keeping it cool. They can't keep us in there for too long, even though... Like, they can't keep us in there for too long for dancing in our fucking briefs. Having a good time. Anyway, yeah, it got to 4pm that afternoon. And then that's when they're like, okay, you pay... It was like something ridiculous. So much lower. It was like 4,000 baht, which I don't even... I can't remember how much that is. Maybe like... $90 $90 Australian or something and we paid that signed a document which was in Thai we couldn't read anything and then they let they gave us our passports back and let us out hungry as fuck actually we were super hungry they, they brought us soup which looked like fucking like vomit so we didn't touch that we oh, and, and then we asked them we asked them if they could drop us back to our resort and they, they actually drove us home we got some fucking I think Burger King on, on the way dropped us off Thank you, Handshake. Thank you for the good experience. See you later. Anyway, that was a fucking funny time that we had traveling. But anyway, after being quite business and sales obsessed for, for a while, I've gotten the opportunity to, to consult sales teams, individual salesmen, different contractors, realtors, uh, project managers, and people in general who need to deal with different types of people daily. And, uh, you know, but being, being quite proficient in, in Spanish has helped me a lot, especially traveling, um, you know, th- throughout South America. And, like, if you'll find that there's, there's different sales jobs pretty much everywhere you go. You just, like, Facebook, sale, there's, people are always looking for sales positions. Um, and yeah, I've been able to, to help a lot of people, whether it's specialists trying to maximize their lead generation, getting more clients in the pipeline, getting more people, inter- more, more leads interested in a product or convincing others to do business. Um, and there, there are a lot of different strategies that you can use to maximize results. So today, what my goal is with you guys is to teach you a few fundamental sales strategies that you can use in your day-to-day life uh, for your business, your your current job, or even in your personal life, okay? So, like, as I said, sales is is like all-rounded. You can use it everywhere you go, and the better you get at it, the better life you will have 100%. So, number one that I want to start with is personalizing your own pitches okay and and i know that everyone's not a they're not a salesman they're not in business for themselves they're not you know trying to get leads interested in a product but this this 
is in relation to, to everything. Whether you're, you're dealing with, with higher, higher management above you, your bosses, you're convincing you know, just someone above the hierarchy in you, and you're trying to persuade someone. So it doesn't matter what you are selling, what you are pitching, who you're trying to persuade. It's, it's an, an important skill in life is being able to adapt your speaking style to who you are speaking with, okay? If you're pitching a CEO of a company, you'll be making stylistic changes to the way you talk compared to if you're pitching a small business owner who's driving a, a jacked up Hilux ute with RM Williams sticker on the back, you know, RM Williams boots and a ciggy in the mouth, which is, that's just a stereotype of a, of a kind of country Aussie guy, but, but you get the point. Something very important in life is being able to adapt your, how you speak, who, depending who you're speaking with. So knowing what you are going to be saying is a very important factor. Obviously for salespeople speaking over the phone, people in business who, who are pitching ideas, uh, they, can, they can have scripts written out. But what you'll find in business is that most people claim that scripts don't sound natural. That's what a lot of people, a lot of workers who I've dealt with, that's what they say. They're like, oh, scripts don't sound natural. It sounds like I'm reading it. And like a lot of people, they try and get out of it. They don't want to use scripts, which, you know, but you'll watch workers pitching prospects. And if you don't have a pitch when they're speaking, they all, if, if you are doing something repetitive and you're, and you're pitching a, a, a lead, you'll find if they don't use a script, their, their language patterns, they just change slowly from word to word to word. And what they started off on, it changes a lot the next day, the next week, and then it changes a lot. Every, every pretty much person they speak to, their, their sentences change. So that's impossible to work out what is working and what is not working, since something is always different. So it's not about using a script and sounding like you are reading it. It's about using the correct words as well as the tonalities and being more like an actor, not a school student, not like a school student reading from the textbook. The best thing about knowing what you're going to say and having scripts or having set up, you know, what you're going to be talking about so it sounds more professional means that you you know it, it, it sounds professional, you've got good good patterns, good good dialogue, and it means that um you know you, you you can work what you can see what works and what doesn't work. Well and since a lot of people do say oh scripts don't work a good example is most of you have probably seen the movie Braveheart, okay? And Braveheart it's it's got a scene in it. It's got the freedom speech which takes place. I think it's probably the most inspiring element in the film. It's considered one of the greatest movie speeches of all time. And uh, yeah, it's, it's with Mel Gibson, the other Australian. In the scene, many of the soldiers believed it was better to run and hide in safety than to fight and face an amount of death against their rival. Well, yeah, Mel Gibson, he's the one who plays William Wallace. You see Mel Gibson with all the face paint on the horse in front of, you know, hundreds of his army. He, he rides up and down and in front of his army, he like yells, you know, I'm William Wallace. 
And I see a whole army of my countrymen here in defiance of tyranny. You know, fight and you may die. Run and you will live at least for a while. It's like a, it's like a super good scene. He, he then like finishes the famous speech with, They may take our lives, but they will never take our freedom. And, but he obviously does it in an awesome way. But now, do you think he went into that scene having just an idea of what he was going to say? And he told his boss, his director, boss, whoever was in charge, nah, I'm good. I'm just going to wing it and, uh, and, 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 and go with the flow, see, see how it turns out. Or did he practice the speech using a script until he knew it like the back of his hand? I think we believe the latter. Okay? So, you know, obviously setting yourself up and knowing who you're going to be speaking with and, and what you want to kind of pitch and get the idea over. Very important thing to, you know, have a good idea. If you can have it written down and practice it so you know it word for word, it leaves a lot more of your brain free so you're ready for, for when the either rebuttals come in or, or the questions. And yeah, it just makes such a big difference. Okay, number two. Qualifying the prospects. Okay, one of the biggest issues I've seen in different sales teams is how a lot of people spend way too much time on leads that do not even qualify. Okay, people have different ways to explain it, and it, you know it's just like when you when you listen to any any sales trainer or any you know any manage, sales manager who you're learning off or so on. Every, a lot of people have a different way to explain it, but I, I'll share my simple formula which covers everything. Okay, you've got number one, you've got the, the cold lead. Those are the people who don't qualify for your product or service and they don't want your product or service, okay? They're super cold, pretty, not, they're not interested, okay? You've got number two, warm leads. They're those who qualify, but they're unsure and they're kind of sitting on the fence. They're, they want to hear what you have to say, but uh, they're not motivated. And then you've got number three, which are hot leads. Those who qualify and want to buy your product or service. Okay, so you remember for your prospects, you've got cold leads, warm leads, and hot leads. It kind of speaks for itself. But the thing is, people tend to spend a fair amount of time going through the motions with cold, cold leads. They feel like they're putting in work, going through their script, explaining the process, what they have on offer, what they're trying to achieve. And then it turns out the cold lead doesn't even qualify. They either don't have the money to move forward, they're not the, cor the correct person to move forward, but they did enjoy the chat and they enjoyed hearing what you have to say. Remember, there's a lot of people out there that if you call them, they'll have a chat with you. But, and, and what that can do, that can waste a lot of your time and it can make you feel like you're being productive. But really, you're not getting anywhere. So one of the most important thing in sales is to realize when the lead does qualify, Awesome. Let's let's move them move them up from from a warm lead to a hot lead, or if they're a cold lead and they're not interested, they're a non-client. Then 
happily, like, you know, in, in a nice way, move on. Okay, number three, embracing rejection. Okay, I'll tell you a little story. Back in 2006, back in the golden years, back when Steve Irwin was still alive, this was when Italy won the World Cup, and this was when I was about 16 years old, and in, you know, you speak to me or any of my mates, that's back when the best house parties had that they were in their glory days. I, I've, there's never been a period when there's the best house parties of my life. I, I guess this thing is like a, a Blue Mountain Sydney thing uh, f- for that time because I've got you know I've had my little sister. Uh, n- you know we know a lot of people, and the the house parties back then were the were the shit. Okay, they were literally house parties every Friday and Saturday night, and. And for myself, on top of having a full-time like sports ske- uh, sports schedule, playing football, so I, I was you know traveling ar- around the state, playing like every weekend, traveling you know n- n- nearly like just traveling about twelve hours per week. So besides that, when I wasn't pl- out there playing football, I would be hitting hitting, hitting up house parties, okay. Because that, yeah, it was it was like the best thing ever going at that time, especially for the people at my that were my age. Okay, but one reoccurring event that I think happens in all friend groups growing up is how there's always that one friend who's quite annoying. They don't shut up. They're not the best looking or the funniest, or you know, everyone kind of looks up to them. But at the house parties, you would turn around and they would always be hooking up with, with a new girl. Everyone would stand around and be like, how the fuck does he do it? You know, as I said, not, not, not the best looking, not the, not the funniest, not, not the, the guy that everyone would be like, man, he's the man. He'd be like the kind of annoying one, very, very loud and like, everyone's like, shut the fuck up. And, and then they would be hooking up with a different girl at all the house parties. Anyway, what I'm, what I'm you know, leading to, something from that to take away is how in business and sales, it's a numbers game. And when somebody says no, you shouldn't lose your confidence and give up. You need to turn around and look for the next prospect. It's a numbers game. <clears throat> Nobody ever closes 100% of their prospects. You're gonna always get rejected in some area of your life. Doesn't matter if it's if it's uh, you know hooking hooking up with someone or you know or in, in sales or in, in trying out for a, 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 a sports team, whatever it is. You're always gonna get rejected in some areas of your life. So the better you can take it on the chin and move on, the better. Okay, number four. The follow-up and the follow-through. This is something that most sales trainers and, and sales managers don't, don't teach and don't spend enough time on, okay? What you'll find a lot of the time is that you are ready, you know, you're ready to make a sale or you're ready to do business or you're ready to persuade someone, but not everyone is, is ready to buy or do business with you or be persuaded, okay? But... Well, not really persuaded, but this is more to do with to buying or to doing business. Not everyone's ready to, to buy or do business, okay? But the thing is, that doesn't mean that they won't be ready in the future. 
It's very simple. Following up with a lead, checking back in, seeing how they are going, staying in their thoughts and mind, and showing a little bit of persistence in a friendly, happily manner. It definitely makes a massive future, a massive difference for the future. Okay, it will set things up for the future. So, <clears throat> what I've done, I done, I had a look at some of the statistics because, uh, like, and it, it pretty much backs up what, what I think and what what I've got taught also. And so, going off highly reputable research and stats from Google, which are always correct, one hundred percent. But what they say. So that they've obviously done uh, done scientific studies, but what they say is fifty percent of sales happen after the fifth follow up. Okay, fifty percent of sales happen after the fifth follow up. Now the average person makes only two attempts to reach a prospect, and forty four percent of people give up give up after one follow up. Okay. So I think someone who is great to learn off regarding the follow up and follow through. I, well, he's got a diff- he words it different. I think he's is the follow up, the follow, follow on and follow through or something. It's right, but anyway, a lo- everyone has their different ways of explaining it. And and I'm talking about Ryan Serhant, and he is the man when it comes to following up. I don't know if if you know him, but you should definitely check him out. He's um. He's one of the best realtors in New York, and he's he's like a tall, white-haired dude. He's a really good speaker, and um, yeah, he like closes billions worth of deals in New York, which is surely one of the hardest places in the world. But yeah, what he he literally follows up until he or the client literally dies. That's that's what he said. Okay, so he just doesn't. He's so relentless. Literally, he puts their birthdays in his calendar, um, and he just always follows up. That doesn't mean that he's calling up week after week and nagging, but he'll always stay in their mind, see how they're going. Once he has serviced his client, he'll follow up, and uh, he'll follow up, yeah, fo- and follow through with them. He'll check how everything went, see if, uh, if they enjoyed the process, and see how he can benefit them in their future. Okay. Now you have a think about that. When you have bought products or services from anyone, how many businesses do you see that follow through with you and and ask you how you went, how the how the process went, how 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 you felt, how the experience was? Okay. Because I don't believe many people do it. Many companies, many businesses, many salesmen do it. Okay. Once they get their money, they move on. Where it makes such a big difference. So yeah, just keep that in mind. But basically for, for today's podcast, a few takeaways, quite simple. Know what you are going to say and be prepared. Qualify your leads and don't waste time and effort with non-clients, okay? Remember, there's over 7 billion people in this world. You don't need to spend hours, days, months, waste, and like more importantly, wasting your time when you can move on, move on to someone that's either warm or hot, a warm lead or a hot lead, okay? Embrace rejection and thrive off it as it gives you more power since they are missing out on your product or your service or your idea, okay? Embrace it. And lastly, create friendships, 
check back in, follow up and follow through and stay in the lead's thoughts and see where that takes you. Thank you for listening to Getting Down with Chris Brown.